you got your Bibles, go ahead and turn to uh, Deuteronomy chapter 12, and uh, we'll be beginning in uh, verse 1 for our study tonight. Somebody would kindly read for me the first four verses, please. I got it. You've got that one, don't you? <laughs> These are the statutes and judgments which ye shall observe to do in the land which the Lord God of thy fathers giveth thee to possess it all the days that ye live upon the earth. Ye shall utterly destroy all the places wherein the nations which ye shall possess serve their gods upon the high mountains and upon the hills and under every green tree. And ye shall overthrow their altars and break their pillars and burn their groves with fire. And ye, ye shall hew down the graven images of their gods and destroy the names of them out of that place. Ye shall not do so unto the Lord your God. Okay, so we, we see here that the Lord's telling them what he wants them to do when they enter, in, enter into the promised land. And uh, what the first thing he reminded them of, he said, I want you to obey and remember my statutes and my judgments. But what I want to call your attention to is, uh, is how he tells them that he wants them to utterly destroy uh, the false gods and the things that he's wanting to do away with. And... Uh, you know, you, you, you look at these things, and he, he, he mentioned several places that they, they worship these uh, false gods and where they serve these false gods. And he mentions the high mountains up on the hills and every green tree, overthrow their altars, break their pillars, burn their groves with fire, and hew down the graven images of their gods, and just utterly destroy the names of these gods out of this place where I'm going to put you. And what I want you to see in that is... is, is uh, it's, it's a picture of where God wants them to go and where he wants us to go and what he wants us to do when he saves our souls. We've all seen people say, I have been saved, and then turn right back into the lifestyle that they had before they ever said they got saved. This is a scripture that shows us that we're supposed to utterly destroy those things in our lives that, that we did before we were saved. Those things that are sinful, those things that, that God does not approve of, those things that are abominations to Him. And you know, in, in one of the scriptures, and I don't remember which one it was, it talks about the, the, the people that will not enter into the kingdom of God, that that's, uh, I think it's in Galatians, that it specifically states, and such were, past tense, some of you. That means you were like these people, but you're not that way anymore. Why? because you have been justified, you have been set aside by, by me for my use. And so you're not that person anymore. That's what the scripture tells us, that when we are saved, there's a, the old man dies and there's a new man appears. And so that's what he's trying to show the children of Israel. This is actually a picture of what he does for us at our salvation. We've lost sight of this. We, we've convinced ourselves that the things that we had took pleasure in before we got saved that were sinful, that we can continue on in those things after we're saved, that is not scriptural at all. It's, it's not. It's not scriptural at all. And, and now, does it mean that we can't backslide and do those things? No, it don't mean that. I mean, you can, and you're still a sinner, and you can still do that. But it does tell, tell us... We should never be able to enter into a, a, a continuous lifestyle like that again after we're saved and then tell people we're saved. And, and y'all have encountered them. I've encountered them. We've all encountered them. That we've, 
we've uh, talked to people who who live these lives that are just uh, what what the scripture defines as an abomination to God, and it's not just homosexuality, it's not just being a lesbian or an effeminate, or the, it's a it's it's a continuous lives of adu uh, of adultery, continuous lives of fornication, continue, and it's not all sexual. It, it includes lying, it includes stealing, it, it includes jealousy, it includes angers. It includes all kinds of things that those scriptures tell us. I wish I'd brought, I wrote a list of them down in my studies the other day uh, that, that came from just three scriptures, and there was a list this long of it. And, and, and these are things that the Bible tells us in the New Testament, these things will not enter into the kingdom of God. It's as blunt as it can be. You cannot live these lifestyles and say, I'm saved. It just don't pan out in the scripture. Paul denied it. I deny it to you. And people who teach and preach these things are liars. They're false uh, prophets. They're false preachers that are preaching a lie of damnation to people and allowing them to continue on in the lifestyles that the Lord says you don't live these lifestyles. And so this is a picture of that. He said, I want you to utterly destroy these things. I want you to destroy the places that they worship. I want you to destroy the altars that they worship at, and I want you to destroy the names of those people because you're not going to need them anymore. Amen? Amen? And so it's a picture of what we're supposed to do in our own lives. I've always told y'all that when we get saved, it's our salvation is a process. It's a life lived. Amen? It starts at the moment that you receive the Spirit of God into your life to help you identify what's wrong in your life. And we're supposed to listen to the Spirit of God when He convicts us and, and shows us what we're doing wrong. And the more we learn about God, the more we're going to know what pleases God and what displeases God. That's why it's important that we study the Bible, that you come to Sunday school, that you come to Bible studies at your church or have them in your home. It's important that, that, we, that we do these things and listen to preaching and stuff because those are the ways that God has designed himself for us to learn. Amen? And, and the world not only tells us, well, you can continue on in these lifestyles, it also tells you you don't need the things that God requires you and has given you to learn of these things. Isn't that pathetic? And, and how come, how could anybody that, that knows God at all ever be convinced that that is a true thing, that it's something that we can get by with? The Scripture does not bear that out. And so we have to be very, very careful in our life. And, and now we have to be careful about judging, that's for sure. But we also need to make sure that when, when we see somebody living these lifestyles, that we lovingly and compassionately tell them, look, this is not the way to go. And it would behoove us to, to be able to show it to them in Scripture. Amen? It would behoove us to do that. And so we, we need to be able to do those things. And, and the Scripture is very plain when he says, uh, Paul writes of the, uh, the church at Galatia, he writes of the church in Corinthians, he writes of the church in Ephesians, uh, in Ephesus, and he writes of these churches, and he tells them because he sees and he knows that, that these things are going on inside the church, and he has them to address these very issues. And at the same time, and uh, especially in Corinthians, where they had a, a, a man who was uh, having a sexual relationship with his, his, his daddy's wife, not his mother, but his father's wife. 
and it caused a big uproar. And Paul really addressed that and had them to address him uh, with their sin. And then later on in, in uh, 2 Corinthians, he refers to this man and he says, I hope you forgive him. I hope he's turned from this sin. Evidently, he did. He got convicted over it and he repented of it. And they said, now, he said, now you need to love him again because he's done what God told us to do. And so now you need to forget all this junk, forget all of it, and move on with that. That's a lesson for us all to learn. In this situation right here, the Lord has, has been, uh, this is, uh, he, he knows that if he don't get rid of all these gods, if they don't get rid of all these gods and all these people who have worshipped these gods, that they're going to rear their ugly heads again. And sure enough, they didn't do all these things, that, and, and it did. And it caused lots of problems for them. And they worshipped vile things instead of the living God. And later on down the road, they're even going to mix the pagan worship with the, with the worship that God required of them. And I'm afraid that's what we're doing in the churches today. We're mixing paganism with, with, uh, with Christianity. And that don't work with God. Amen? And listen to me. Listen very carefully. God will hold us accountable for doing that. He will. You know, we, we've got it in our minds that, you know, the things that are bad going on around us is not God doing those things. Don't you ever say that. If you look through the Scripture, God does lots of bad. Did you know hell belongs to God? You think Satan's the God of hell? No, he's not. God is the God of hell. Amen? And if he took those angels... Listen to me. If he took those holy beings created in holiness out of heaven and cast them into hell, don't you think for one minute he won't do that to us? You defy him and tell him I'm going to live this way despite what your word says. That is defying God. We may not say that, but we live our lives that way. And it's not acceptable to God. So we have to learn to, to look at these scriptures right here in the Old Testament, and you say, well, why did he want them to kill all these people? He's showing us a picture of what he wants to do in our lives when he saves us. He wants us to take all of that stuff out. He wants us to destroy all that stuff. He does not want us to return back to that lifestyle, whatever it is that, that you had to be repentant of. Amen? And Whatever it takes to clean up. He wants us clean. And he makes a way for us to be that way. And even when we backslide or even when we sin after we're saved, He still provides that way for us to clean ourselves up. And we need to take advantage of that. We must take advantage of it. To not do so is it, it, to spit on the blood of Christ. Amen? Amen? That sounds kind of gross, doesn't it? Sounds like it's kind of strong language. It is. When we defy, uh, when we know what not to do. We do that despite knowing it. That is that, what does the Bible call that? That's a voluntary sin that you have done on purpose defying God. We don't like to look at it that way. We say, oh, I'm just weak. Oh, I just couldn't help myself. Does God buy that? He ain't going to buy it at the great white throne judgment. He ain't going to buy it at the judgment seat of Christ. And he don't buy it right now. He's God, and He made a way. 
and he expects us to walk in that way. Yes, sir. Back there, just a few weeks ago, back there in chapter 8, verse 5, it says, As a man chasteneth his son, so the Lord thy God chasteneth thee. That's right. That's, that goes along with what it says over in Hebrews. That's right. And the Lord loveth he chasteneth. That's right. That's right. He and he does. He'll take us. I, I make this remark all the time. He takes me out behind his woodshed on a regular basis. Amen. And, it, and it's not. It's not. Sometimes it's not bad things. It's that you feel guilt. We, none of us like to feel guilty. Guilty and shame is not a good feeling for us to have. And so a lot of times that's God chastising us, trying to bring us back. And then sometimes if he, we don't come back. There'll be worse things that can take place. And we just write it off as all oh, that's just things that happen to everybody. <laughs> Don't ever write those things off that way, especially when you think that I, I'm guilty and is God doing this to me? He may be trying to tell you he's doing these things to you, yeah. trying to get you straightened back up. And a lot of people say, you know, have you ever heard a person say, I can't serve a God that does those kind of things? It's not an I can't. I won't. That's right. It's a choice. Yeah. I don't want to believe in a God that does those kind of things. You know what? He's going to be God regardless of what you think. And His Word is final regardless of what you think. And His Word is true whether you believe it or not. And, and He is not going to change to accommodate us. He expects us to change to be like Him. But we've got to get this down right. And part of this is destroying those things that we have worshipped and those things that we have sinned with in our past. Do away with those things, destroy those things, and move on in godliness and holiness. And he gives us the power and the ability to do that. Amen? He gives us the spirit for power, and he gives us the blood of Christ for cleansing. And we need to take advantage of those things. Amen? Any comments about this? I didn't never dream this was all going to come out in these four verses, but it did. And I think that's the Spirit trying to tell us and show yeah. us uh, uh, the, the, the many, many issues that are going on in our churches today when we've let down our guard. And, and those of y'all who heard the, the uh, pastor of the Nazarene Church preach the other day, he said something that has stuck in my brain and I can't get rid of how we are trying to redefine the Word of God to make it suit ourselves. And we can, you can see that all over the place. You can see it everywhere. And we don't, we don't have the right to do that. Okay? All right. Somebody read for me verses 5 through 16, please. <clears throat> but you shall seek the place where the Lord your God chooses and out of all your tribes to put his name for your... Sorry. But you shall seek the place where the Lord your God chooses out of all your tribes to put his name, his dwelling place, and there you shall go. There you shall take your burnt offerings, your sacrifices, your tithes, heave offerings of your hand, your vowed offerings, your free will offerings, and the firstborn of your herds and flocks. And there you shall eat before the Lord your God, and you shall rejoice in all which you have put your hand you and your households in which the Lord your God has blessed you. You shall not at all as we are doing here today, every man doing whatever is right in his own eyes. For as yet you have not come to the rest 
in the inheritance which the Lord your God has given you. But when you cross over the Jordan and dwell in the land which the Lord your God has given you to inherit, and He gives you rest from all your enemies round about so that you dwell in safety, there will be the place where the Lord your God chooses to make His name abide. There you shall bring all that I command you, your burnt offerings, your sacrifices, your tithes, the heave offerings of your hand, and all your choice offerings, which you vow to the Lord. And you shall rejoice before the Lord your God, and you and your sons and your daughters, your male and female servants, and the Levite who is within your gates, since he has no portion nor inheritance with you, take heed to yourself that you do not offer your burnt offerings in every place that you see, but in the place which the Lord chooses in one of your tribes, you shall offer your burnt offerings, and there you shall do all that I command you. However, you may slaughter and eat meat within all your gates, whatever your heart desires, according to the blessing of the Lord your God, which he has given you, the unclean and the clean may eat of it, of the gazelle and the deer alike. Only you shall not eat the blood. You shall pour it on the earth like water. All right. Thank you. I want you to see something here. He's, he's, he's thinking ahead. He's showing them ahead. He knows they're going to cross the Jordan River. And he, he makes the remark in, in verse 5 right off the bat that the place which the Lord your God shall choose out of your tribes, I want you to come to that place. <coughs> Don't tell me that you're not supposed to go to church. Thank you. Don't tell me that you can do the worship of God on the creek bank as good as you can in the assembly of God's people. This scripture right here in, in the Old Testament, just like the other one shows us, uh, the one we just read prior to this shows us we need to clean out the, the sin in our lives, clean out the old things that have, have led us down the road of destruction and do away with those things. Also right here, the scripture is very plain that the Lord has a place for us to go that he intends for us to go to worship him. Amen? Now we're, this is going to get deep into this before we get out of this chapter. But he says, I'm going to, I'm going to appoint a place and he said, I want to, and when I appoint this place and you come, I want you to bring your burnt offerings, your sacrifices, your tithes, and your heave offerings of your hand, and your vows and your free will offerings. I want you to bring them to the place that I have designated for you to come to worship me. Okay? Now he realizes that these people are going to be strung out and that this place is going to be uh, uh, in a designated place that they're going to have to make a pilgrimage to. Amen? And they're going to have to come to. And so uh, that's what Mary and Joseph had to do when they carried Jesus to the temple to dedicate him to God. Mm -hmm. Amen? They had to do this very thing. And this is what he's talking about here. This is something that he would establish. And he, he said, uh, he, he tells them, he said, you should not, verse 8, you should not do after all these things that we... We do here this day, every man where, uh, whatsoever is right in his own eyes. We don't get to do what we think is right in our own eyes. And going to church is right in the eyes of God, and choosing not to go to church is wrong in the eyes of God. I, there I said it. Boy, I'm going to probably get a lot of arguments 
Jeremiah might probably absorb a lot of this. I don't care. Because these people who say, well, I don't have to be a part of the church have been lied to and they have fell hook, line, and sinker with a lie because the Lord says, I'm going to designate a place for you and I want you to bring all of your worship. I want you to bring all of your offerings. I want you to bring everything to this place because I told you so. Amen? He did that in the New Testament when Jesus Christ said upon this rock, I will build my church. Amen? That church was designated and begun at Pentecost. It was begun and it grew. It went into the Gentile nations and it's still growing. They're still being established. They're still being dedicated. And it's still a place where the people who call themselves uh, by the name of Jesus are supposed to congregate, to meet, to do their offerings, to do their, uh, their sacrifices, to do their vows, to do every bit of that in the church of, the, of Jesus Christ. Part of that too is it's our church family that hopes to keep us accountable yeah. Yeah. for what is going on in our lives. When we don't come together as with our fellow believers, we don't stick to what we should be doing. Yeah. Because, yeah, we're listening to this preacher online or that preacher online or whatever, but to come together and have those discussions with other believers, you lose that accountability. Right. I think a lot of them, I don't have to go sit with those hypocrites, you know, in church and, and give my money that I worked hard for to... to to the church and so on and so forth there. That's right. That's just an excuse. Yeah. 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 And the thing about it is they don't have to do that they don't have to do that in the church. Amen. Mm-hmm. Yeah, nobody forces anybody to do anything in the church. But you better come. Because this is the place that he has designated for you to come to. For you and he tells them, he said, Now this hasn't happened yet, for you are not yet come to the rest and to the inheritance. But he says, when you go over Jordan, and when he giveth you rest from your enemies round about, so that you dwell in safety, then there shall be a place which the Lord shall choose to call, cause his name to dwell there. Yep, do y'all know when this happened? Some of you Bible scholars, do y'all know when this rest came? It came at the end of David's reign as king. He had subdued all of these nations. He finished the work that was begun by Joshua. And it took that many years for it to ever come to fruition. And the temple was built. built. When when the Lord allowed the temple to be built, David didn't build it. Who did? Solomon. Why? Because his hands was bloody. Well, we like to think because David had to kill so many people. That wasn't it. He murdered a man. An innocent man. And that blood was on his hands. And God wouldn't allow him to build that temple. Y'all know who I'm talking about. Uriah the high tide. He had him murdered. A premedicated murder. Is what, and, and that's what God meant when he said, You have blood, you have shed blood, and I'm not going to let you build my temple. So he allowed Solomon to build that temple. When Solomon built that temple, every year there was a pilgrimage made from all around Israel to come to that temple. This is what the Lord's showing them right now. This is a place that you must come because it's a place that I set up to, for you to come. 
And then, then he says, uh, when I do this and when this happens, I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I want you to come to this place that it, that that I have caused my name to dwell therein. Amen. <laughs> when Jesus Christ said, "Upon this rock I will build my church," he said a mouthful, didn't he? He said, he said the same thing with that statement as God says here, a place where I have dedicated for my name to be. Amen? We call ourselves Baptist, Methodist, Nazarene, whatever church, but we are the church that belongs to Jesus Christ. Amen? Amen. It's his church. It's his church. And it's a designated place for us to come together to do the very same things that was stated here. We don't come together and kill animals, thank God. We don't have to do that. And so he said, I want you to come there and look in verse 12, and you shall rejoice before the Lord your God. You know, you know what? I love this little church. I, I love sitting in that office and, and uh, sometimes I'm in there a little longer than I, I should be and, and y'all dismiss Sunday school and people start coming in the doors and I'm sitting in there listening and there's all kinds of noise out here. And there's all kinds of laughter out here. There's all kinds of giggles out here. And a lot of people say, well, you ought to come in the sanctuary of God and act that way. <laughs> he says right here, he said, I want you to rejoice before the Lord. And, and, and in the New Testament church, a lot of our rejoicing is called fellowship. Mm -hmm. Amen? Yeah, Amen? Amen. The Lord Jesus Christ himself, he said, I want you to have fellowship with one another. Amen? I want you to love me and I want you to fellowship with one another. That's why we have fellowship and we need to have more of them. Amen? And so this is what he says, and you shall rejoice before the Lord your God. And so you come, we come together, we cry together, we pray together, we, 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 uh, we laugh together, we rejoice together, we sing together, and that's what the church is all about. It's a place that his name is established that he has started himself and it is a requirement to be a part of it. And listen to me. Now y'all better listen good because he's going to come back one of these days and guess who he's going to get? His church. And I don't think he's going to pick up anybody that says I, ain't going to, I don't like that church. I don't like that people. I don't like them. We ain't perfect but he is. And perfection is going to come get imperfection one of these days and make us perfect. And if you strayed away from that all your life and said, I don't need that, he ain't taking you with you. He said, oh, good brother Gary, you're judging all night. I'm telling you what the scripture says. There's a difference. It ain't judgment, it's fact. It's a fact. Yeah. Amen. And, and, and I'm going to tell you, one of these days, whoever started that lie that you don't have to go to church, it started somewhere. They're going to be bowed down before the one that they said, no, we don't need your church. And they're going to know that they messed up. And the, the problem with it, you know, we talk about a reprobate mind here a lot. People who start these kind of lies, you know, the thing about a lie, after a while, you get to believe in it. Yeah. Amen? Amen. <laughs> I lied so much in my childhood that I look back and I had trouble distinguishing what was real and what wasn't. Am I the only one? No. <laughs> I was good at it. Amen? You do it so much, Jerry. You, you, what you 
said, you got to tell them. Don't know them. That's right. You have to keep telling them, cover it up. Cause you, and then if you ain't careful, you, you will. You'll say something different. And they'll say, what did what? And we have to be careful about that. And so, but anyway, the, these people have that have spread these lies now believe those lies. And the people they have spread them to believe those lies. Now, what would make a person believe a lie? There's two things. One thing is because they're ignorant of the Word of God. Lack of knowledge is destroying those people, just like it did Israel. The Scripture in the Old Testament tells us that several times in the Old Testament prophets, that lack of knowledge destroyed those people. So it's a lack of knowledge. There's another thing. It's what they want to hear. That I ain't got to take my time and go to church. Amen? Mm -hmm. You know how easy it is to talk yourself out of getting up on Sunday morning and going to church? <laughs> Have you ever noticed that on Saturday morning, boy, everybody, <laughs> It's a day off. Let's go do some stuff. And on Sunday morning, oh. That's the way it works. Yeah. That ain't God. It's what David said. I was glad when he said unto me, let us go into the house of the Lord. He also said, enter his courts with praise. Enter his courts with thanksgiving. He's glad to be here. Amen. That's what I hear out here. People that are glad to be here. You might not have wanted to start it off that way, but you was when you got here. You're glad you came. Amen. That's human nature. That's who we are. We need to move on now. He says, take heed to thyself, in verse 13, that thou offer not your burnt offerings anywhere else. Y'all see that? Don't, don't you get in the gate of your little old town and say, well, we don't want to go into Jerusalem. We don't want to go into the temple. We don't want to go into God's destination. We're just going to do that here. It'll be okay. That's what those people, those fishing bank people do. They offer their, their, uh, their offering somewhere else. And he says in verse 13, don't you do that. You see it? Do not offer your burnt offerings in every place that thou seest, but in the place with the Lord your God shall choose. Amen. Y'all see that? I'm not making this up. This is good stuff right here. This gets us where we live. You need to underline circle some of these things and write little notes. That's why he's supposed to go to church. Because, see, he's the Lord our God. He don't change. He ain't changed from that time to this time. Amen. Now he says, he understands, he says that God is a rational God. He sees us where we are, and he understands our circumstances and our situations. Even more so now, since he became a man and dwelt among us. There was a reason God did that. He wanted to understand us on the level that we are. On the level we are. That's why he became a man and dwelt among us. Amen? And notwithstanding, thou mayest kill and eat flesh. Now he's starting to relax the rules. You can kill and eat flesh in your gates. Whatsoever thy soul lusteth after, according to the blessing of the Lord thy God, which he has given thee, the unclean and the clean may eat thereof, as of the roebuck and the heart, only you shall not eat the blood. So he says, you can eat all you want to. You can eat, but when it comes to the sacrifices, 
you got to go to my house, the place I have chosen. You're not allowed to do that in those same gates. And then he gives them a warning. What's the warning? Don't, don't eat the blood. Do not eat the blood. This is something else that's established all the way through the Old Testament. Don't eat the blood. Don't eat the blood. Why? Why did the, he gives us a reason in the Old Testament? What is it? Because the life is in the blood. And you know what? He, when he said that about those animals, he was really speaking about who? His son. Our life is in his blood. Amen? And he wanted us to learn that. He wanted these people to learn that. He started establishing this that long ago. That that, that life-giving blood. <laughs> don't eat it. Pour it out on the ground. Don't eat it. Cause why did he allow them to pour it out on the ground? Because that's where Christ's blood went. It was poured out on the ground. Mm. This is good, good, deep stuff right here, isn't it? Amen. Any questions about this? Right, somebody read for me verses 17 through 19. You are not allowed within thy gates the tithe of thy corn, or of thy wine, or of thy oil, or of the firstlings of thy herd, or of thy flock, nor any of thy vows which thou hast vowed, nor thy freewill offerings, or heave offerings of thine hand. But thou mayst eat them before the Lord thy God in the place which the Lord thy God shall choose. Thou and thy son and thy daughter and thy manservant and thy maidservant and the Levite that is within thy gates. And thou shalt rejoice before the Lord thy God in all that thou puttest thine hands unto. Take heed to thyself that thou forsake not the Levite as long as thou livest upon the earth. Okay, so he, he reiterates that you don't do these things here inside the gates of your city. You have to go to the place where I have told you. He said, I want you to bring your tithe of crops, your corn, your wine, all the firstlings of thy herds or, or thy flock, the vows that you vow to the Lord, the freewill offerings that you give to the Lord, the heave offerings of your hand, Thou must eat them before the Lord thy God in the place which the Lord thy God shall choose. Mm -hmm. Not only you do that, but your son and your daughter and your manservant and thy maidservant. What does that tell us? You know, the family. All of them. Everybody in that household go to this house. Go to this place that I have designated. <laughs> Amen. Why? I can't be saved for you. I can't worship for you. Amen? That's right. If I try to, 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 to pay the tithes for my children, it's not accepted of God for them. It's not accepted of God. He wants you to give of yourself and He wants you to give freely. He wants you to give what you can when you can. And you always think about the widow's mite. Well, I always try to say this when I'm talking about tithing because a lot of people can't. <laughs> she gave what she didn't have to give. And there's, there's people who do that today. They give what they don't have to give. It affects their lifestyle. It affects what they get to buy at the grocery store. 
Amen. God got a special place in his heart for that. Amen. But that's not what we're, that's not what we're talking about here. We're not talking about those, those type things. And it, he says, and so you bring all your family, you bring your, your servants and your maids, you bring them all, and the Levite that is within thy gates, and thou shalt rejoice before the Lord and thy God. And then he says something else. He said, do not forsake the Levites. Why? They didn't get an inheritance. And his command was to them, you go into these cities, I'm going to give you these special places around the city, but the people that bring these offerings are the ones that's going to support you. Amen? So that's what he's saying. Take heed that thou forget not the Levite as long as you live. The Levite will starve to death if everybody went fishing instead of went to the temple. <laughs> Amen. Any questions about this? You know what you just got through saying about you can't be saved for anybody, can't be delivered for anybody. And whenever you see that word saved in the Bible, it's not always talking about being saved, born again. <laughs> just like Peter. <coughs> Peter took his eyes off of Jesus and began to sing. He said, Lord, save me. And he wasn't talking about save me from going to hell. He was talking about going under the water I'm dying. in the same way about Peter on the day of Pentecost after he preached to him he said uh, save thyself from this untoward generation and we know that salvation is of the Lord so he was talking about deliver yourself you've got to be the one to do it absolutely it's a personal thing that's right I can't repent for you and you can't repent for me it's a personal thing and, and you know a lot of people uh, especially there's a lot of there's a lot of church denominations that hate that that we say a personal relationship with the Lord. I don't know what other kind of relationship you could have with Him. I can't have one for anybody else. It's got to be between me and Him. It's got to be between Him and me. And anybody that can't understand that, I don't understand them. Exactly. Amen? And so that is a, a, a way for a person to say, well, I can control your relationship with God. You do what I tell you. No, that's not true. You do what the Holy Spirit tells you. You do what the Word tells you to do. Honor the preacher that preaches the truth. But don't believe that liar that wants to, all he wants to do is tell you how you need to do it according to him. I've seen that. I have actually witnessed that. Well, they didn't get nothing at all today. Maybe they'll get it next time they come. Because they didn't do what they were required of that man to do. God help them. Amen. That ain't right. To me, that smacks of judgment. That's right. Now, it don't mean that if they ask you, when a, when a person says, like the... Uh, they, they asked the apostle, what must I do to be saved? And they asked Paul, what, what must I do to be saved? And he told them. And, and he didn't give them no long drown out of fire like, you need to do it the way I did. That ain't what he told that, that man. Did he? he? He turned it all over to Jesus at that point because it's that personal. That man had to believe on Christ. That was, a, that was the first part. If he didn't do that, he wasn't going to get saved. 
Amen. He, he just, Paul didn't tell him, all you need to be like, let me tell you what happened to me, and if you'll do it just like I did, it'll happen. There ain't nobody else in the scripture got saved by the, way, the same way Paul did. They got saved by the same God, and he got filled with the same spirit, but it ain't, it ain't happen to everybody the same way. I don't care what anybody tells you. And for a person to start a, a, a denomination or a cult, whatever you want to call it, and everybody's got to come, and they come the very same way. There ain't but one thing in common we all do. We go through Jesus. Amen. Every one of us. Because there ain't no other way. He is the only way. Amen. But you know what? There's some of them that tell you you got to do this and you got to do that or you're not saved. Does the scripture teach us that? No. Nope. There's only one thing that has to be common in every, every salvation. They have to be drawn. If you're not drawn, you can't go. Well, that's, that's what Jesus says. That, except my Father draw you, no man can come up to me. That's the only, that's the only thing that's common in, in everybody's salvation experience that we're drawn. Everything else is totally different. That's right. Because we're all different. What affects me don't affect you. What my sins are before I came may not have nothing to do with the sins before you came. The Lord knows what we need, knows who we are, and he knows how to give us what we need. But he requires us to ask him for it. Amen. And that includes salvation. He don't follow you. He could. He could follow you around that bucket of salvation and it comes out of that well and he could just chase you down and dump it on top of you. He'll never do that. <clears throat> and he don't allow me to do it either. And he don't allow no other preacher to do it either. Yeah. And it, it, when, when Jesus was telling those people about eating his flesh and drinking his blood and they all, ooh, wow, this man done lost his marbles and they all walked away. And the Lord looked at his disciples and he said, are you going to leave me too? Remember what Peter said? Where would we go, Lord? You have the words of eternal life. Amen. We, there ain't no place for us to go that we can get what we're going to get from you. But the scripture made a remark there that as they walked away from Jesus, those other people, the Bible says that he knew those that belonged to him. That still holds true today. He knows those that, that do, and he knows those that don't. He knows the sheep. And you know, it's amazing to me that there's people who follow Christ for different reasons. There's different motives. It ain't always because they, they claim to know Jesus for salvation purposes, but to have an ulterior motive, they want to be known as something they're not. Amen? You say, well, that, that's not true. Well, yes, it is. When the Lord and Matthew began to talk about the, the judgment and those people that he said, depart me, I don't know who you are. And, oh, yeah, you do. We did this and we did that and we did this. And they thought, they really thought they did. But you know what? They had a false religion. They didn't have a personal religion. They had one filled up with all the things you, we need to do to be called a Christian. If, I, if, if you can't go up and lay your hands on somebody and heal them, then you ain't got the goods. That's who he's talking to. Well, Lord, we prophesied in your name. Oh, I see a vision. And I'm not poking fun at people who actually get godly vision. I'm poking fun at the ones who say they do and don't. Yeah. Everybody be healed if it is. 
Well, you wouldn't. You wouldn't, duh. <laughs> <laughs> well, give it a warning after warning. Don't believe every spirit. That's right. right. Put them to the test. Take them out of what, what they're saying in relationship to what the Word of God has to say. Amen. Somebody go ahead and read for me the rest of this chapter. Or I ain't going to get through with it. Verses 20 through 32. That's a lot, but somebody read it for me. When the Lord your God extends your border as he has promised you, then you say, I will eat meat because you desire to eat meat, then you may eat meat wherever you desire. But the place which the Lord your God chooses to put his name is too far from you, then you may slaughter of your herd and flock, which the Lord has given you as I commanded you, and you may eat within your gates wherever you desire. Just as a gazelle or a deer is eaten, so you, you will eat it. The unclean and the clean alike may eat, eat of it. Only be sure not to eat the blood, for the blood is the life, and you shall not eat the life which, uh, with the flesh. You shall not eat it. You shall pour it out on the ground like water. You shall not eat it so that it may be well with you and your sons after you, for you will be doing what is right in the sight of the Lord. Only your holy things which you may have and your uh, votive offerings you will take and go to the place which the Lord chooses. And you shall offer your burnt offerings, the flesh and the blood on the altar of the Lord your God, and the blood of your sacrifices shall be poured out on the altar of the Lord your God, and you shall eat the flesh. Be careful to listen to all these words which I command you, so that I may be that it may be well with you and your sons after you forever, for you will be doing what is good and right in the sight of the Lord your God. When the Lord your God cuts off before you the nations which you are going into this uh, this depose and your deposes them and dwell in their land. Beware that you are not ensnared to follow them after they are destroyed before you, and that you do not inquire after their gods, saying, How do these nations serve their gods that I may also do likewise? You should not behave thus toward the Lord your God, for every abominable act which the Lord hates they have done for their gods, and they even burn their sons and daughters in the fire to their gods. Whatever I command you, you shall be careful to do. You shall not add to nor take away from it. All right. So we, we already mentioned that about, uh, about where they could eat in the gates. And he's telling them that there's going to be a great distance for some of them to have to travel. They could get in their car and drive 70 or 80 miles an hour to go to Jerusalem. It, it was going to take days from the pilgrimage uh, from across Israel. Sometimes it would even take them weeks to make the journey. He knew that it wasn't going to always be possible, so he said, you go ahead and eat. Now, when he's talking about uh, the, the unclean and the clean shall eat, he's not telling them they can eat the, the animals that he's declared unclean. He's, tell, he's telling them that those people who are, are sacrificially unclean can eat also. Okay? Okay? Don't, don't, don't misinterpret that. He, he says that he don't tell them they can eat the unclean. He said the unclean and the clean shall eat. Okay? See that? 
And so, so don't think that he's telling them, okay, you can go ahead and eat all the animals I told you not to eat. That's not what he's saying. He's telling them because, he said, because you're not going to be able to, if you'll remember from back a good while ago, remember we, we talked about in the month and in the, in the months how many times they had to sacrifice animals. They had daily sacrifices. Remember that? They had weekly sacrifices. They had monthly sacrifices. They had seasonal sacrifices while the daily, the month, the weekly, and the monthly were still going on. They had ritualistic sacrifices the Lord required them to do, and we figured that they had just hundreds of sacrifices that went on in a year, okay? And so he's telling them, he said, I know you're not going to be able to, to go to the places where, where I had designated because it's going to be a long journey, and so you can, you can go ahead and eat your food and do these things. He didn't tell them to sacrifice. He said, go ahead and eat your food, whether you're clean or unclean. That's what he's telling. Okay? And, and so, uh, any questions about that? Okay. And then he tells them again not to eat the blood, but to pour it upon the earth as, as the water, because that's what was going to happen with the blood of Christ. Uh, uh, and he said, if you, thou shalt not eat it, and if you do eat it, it ain't going to go well for you. He gives them a warning about eating that blood. And so, and, and you know, cults, devil's cults, you know what they do with blood? They drink it in defiance of God. Amen? When, when they slaughter an animal, they do, they slaughter animals. They do animal sacrifice. They catch the blood, they pour it in cups, and they pass around and drink it. Amen? Was that what Christ was talking about when he said, drink my blood and eat my blood? No. No. That's not what he was talking about. And that's where so much confusion comes in. That's not what he was talking about. And that's not what the scripture bears that. Now look in verse 26. Only the holy things which thou hast, and thy vows thou shalt take and go into the place which the Lord shall choose. In the day of Christ, they made an annual pilgrimage to Jerusalem. Amen. They made an annual pilgrimage to Jerusalem, to the temple. Why? To do the, these very things that we're talking about right now. They were still doing that when Christ was born. And he said, observe, in verse 28, observe and hear all these words which I command thee, that it may, may go well with thee and with thy children after thee. So he says, not only for you, but you need to make sure your children understand these same rules or it won't go well for them either. Amen? And he says, I have, in verse 28, observe and hear all these words which I command thee. thee. That, that means that the words of God are, are, we need to listen to, that it may go well with thee and with thy children after thee. So we need to, to study the word of God because this is God's love letter to us. It's God's word to us that we need to know what it says. Look in verse 30. Take heed to thyself that thou shalt that thou be not snared by following them, after that they be destroyed from before thee, and that thou inquire not after their God. So he said, now after, after you take the land, and you're supposed to destroy it, all these people, and I'm going to go ahead and tell you in advance, they didn't do that. They left people. They got tired of killing people. That's how many people they killed. They got tired of killing people, and they stopped it. And those people took root in that land, and led them to worship their gods. And that's when the mingling 
took place. It was going on even in Solomon's day when the God had given them rest and Solomon built that temple. When all them thousand wives and concubines came in from all these kings that worshipped other gods, he began to build them worship places. Yeah. Amen? That's how many generations that rest lasted. One. One. One, one life. Solomon. So think about that. This is a continual process. That's the reason I tell people all the time, your salvation, it, it, it begins and it's lived all of your life and it ends your salvation when the Lord takes you or you die. That's the end of that. Ain't nothing else you can do then. So your salvation is a lived, lifelong process. Okay? You live your salvation. You let people see Christ in you. And so he, he's warning them. He said, don't, uh, don't uh, listen to me and, and do not be snared by following them after that, that they be destroyed from before thee and inquire after their God. Now look at verse 31. Thou shalt not do unto the Lord thy God for every abomination to the Lord which he hath have they done unto their God. Are we doing abominable things in our nation today? Oh, yeah. Ooh, we really are. And a lot of times we even tell people that are, say they're Christians that it's okay to do it. Mm. And so let's look at verse 32 and I'm going to close. What things soever I command you what does he say? Sure. Do it. Yeah. Ain't no if, ands, and buts. Ain't no gray areas. It's yes or no. You do it. If you don't do it, it's sin. Yeah. Whatever I've commanded you, observe to do it. Thou shalt not add nor diminish. You don't add to it and you do not take away from it. Mm -hmm. In other words, you're not allowed to redefine my word. Does that still hold true today? Absolutely. Amen. Now we know the Old Testament that what we're studying is going to be fulfilled in Christ. But the things that we're talking about are pictures of what we are supposed to do in Christ Jesus. That we have been given the power to actually do if we will use that power. Okay? And going to church is a big part of it. In comments. Alright, we'll be in chapter 13 on the 11th. Thank y'all for being here. Would you stand, please? Is men's breakfast this Saturday? Men's breakfast is this Saturday. Already got a grub in here. <laughs> <laughs> now all I have to do is get Nita up about 5 o'clock get her to fix that gravy and we'll be good. One of these days one of us men going to learn how to make gravy. Uh, any y'all mm -hmm. want to practice at home under the, the, the scrutiny of your wife and want to learn how to do it, I, I'll tell you right now, you want me to do it. 
I don't find my way around in that kitchen very good. I bet Jeremiah can cook chicken. Good gravy. Only thing about it, he rarely shows up. <laughs> <laughs> hey, we're, and, and Jeremiah, we're people of habits. Once you start, you ain't going to get away with, with not being here. Okay, so anyway, let's uh, have a word of prayer. God bless you. Love you. Have, hope you have a, a blessed rest of the week. Uh, see what's going on this weekend. Oh, we got a baptism coming up. Jesse and and uh, Chloe are going to be baptized Sunday morning. I'm excited about that. Amen. Brother Jim Paul, if you just miss it, please. Dear Lord, just come before you. Just thanking you for the many ways you blessed us, Lord. Just thank you for the opportunity to come together to study your word tonight. Lord, those that mentioned standing in the new prayer, Lord, we just ask you to reach down and touch them in the way that you see fit. Lord, and just lead us, guide us, and direct us in each and everything that we do. We give you honor and glory in our daily lives. Lord, just ask for traveling grace for us to depart from this place and just give us opportunity to come back the next time the doors are open. That's his thing from here now. Amen. 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 Amen.